0: You guys are great, man. This is the best service. You are so much more excited. You're so up to my level. I am jacked up on eggnog. I've been watching Elf all week long. Decrying mall Santas is sitting on a throne of lies. I'm ready for some Christmas. How about you? Yes, yes. I want to say thank you to Mosaic. They've just been tremendous. Let's give them a round of applause. Well, if you don't know, my name is Casey and I'm the spiritual formation pastor uh, here at Parkview, and I'm just really excited to be able to talk about this story um, today. One of the things that uh, you need to know about me is I grew up in a neighborhood where all of the guys uh, were at least like four to six years older than me. And so we had this BMX club that, that we started in the neighborhood, and every summer day I would ride my Columbia BMX with the speedometer on the handlebars up to the meeting place, and we'd jump on ramps, and we'd ride through the woods and things like that. But being the youngest in the neighborhood it gave me certain disadvantages. For one, I, I never got any of the sex jokes. I never understood what they were talking about. Um, I never And I never saw a prank when it was coming. Uh, so I was the one who was the butt of all the practical jokes. So that was, that was difficult. Uh, I was the smallest and I was the easiest to dominate in sports. And so they didn't want me on their team. But if I was on the other team, they definitely want to be guarding me. I'm like, I'm four or five, dude, you're six, six. This isn't even fair. Like, it's like guarding a toddler. But the great thing was, I always had to go home earlier, and you couldn't play with uneven teams. So I kind of stuck it to him with that. So I always had my, my backup plan. But every summer day, I remember, before getting on my bike, before going up to the area where we met, I remember saying, look, you are in the bike club. Don't do anything little kid today. Don't do anything that would make them want to kick you out of the club. Don't be a little kid today. And wouldn't you know it, it never failed. Every single day, I would do something that would show them and remind them that I wasn't their age, that I didn't belong in that group, that I was younger, smaller, that I just I I didn't belong. And maybe you have felt that way before. Maybe you felt like an outsider, like you don't belong. Maybe you felt like you were in a club that you shouldn't be in. And if you could just make sure not to make any big mistakes, then you wouldn't get kicked out. And you wouldn't be ostracized. The story I get to tell you about today is a story about insiders versus outsiders. It's one of the smallest but most recognized stories in the Christmas story. It's about out versus in. It's about accepted versus unaccepted. It is the story of the Magi or the wise men. And a lot of things we know about it have come from tradition. So let me just debunk a couple things. First of all, we don't know how many wise men there actually were, how many Magi there actually were. There were three gifts that they brought in the Bible. So they assumed that it was three of them, but there could have been multiple ones of them. We, we don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. The other thing that probably happened is the wise men probably didn't get to Jesus until he was maybe one and a half or two years old. Now, for some of you, I know that's kind of like, whoa, wait a minute. That's a big shift for us, especially if you came from a Catholic church. They taught that the 12 days of Christmas were all about the Magi coming to the manger scene. But when Herod finds out when the Magi see the star, he decides to kill all the little boys in the kingdom, two years old and younger so there's a very good chance that Jesus was much older at that point. They came to see the toddler Jesus and not the infant baby Jesus in the gold fleece diapers, as we think that he did. The one other thing that we know, and we now have video evidence of this, is that they probably did not ride camels. Because this is what happens when a camel tries to come to Jesus. (sighs) Do not sit on the aisle at Christmas Eve service. <laughs> now, just let me, before we get PETA calls or whatever, uh, no camels or people were hurt in the filming of this video. Everybody came out okay, so don't worry about that. What do we know about the Magi? Here's what we know in Matthew 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has born the king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Now, it's very peculiar that these guys come from the east. ...to meet the king of the Jews. They come from a nation that really has kind of a strained relationship with the people of God, with the nation of Israel. They're they're not exactly on each other's Christmas card lists, so to speak. And so they come from this nation and they say, we've seen this star. We want to see who the king of the Jews is so that we can worship him. But they really had no vested interest in that because he represented the kingdom of God. And the one thing that we know about the kingdom of God at the time of Jesus was that it was reserved for people who were Jewish. And they were not Jewish. So why in the world would they be interested in a Jewish Messiah, in a Jewish king? These guys were astrologers. They were people of science, but they were also called on sometimes to tell the future. The Magi had visions into the future. They were the kind of people who read tea leaves or tarot cards or stared into crystal balls and had late night infomercials about, do you want to know your future? That was the kind of people the Magi were. And the Old Testament in Deuteronomy 18 says, don't listen to people like that. I mean, come on, that's just good wisdom. But the Old Testament specifically said, don't listen to these people, these astrologers, these magicians, these people who see into the future. Don't listen to them. Instead, look for good prophecy instead. So why did these guys feel it necessary to come all the way from the east to meet the king of the Jews, to see who he was? They had no membership card in this. They had no real reason to be there. Look, it's, it's like this. I know that some people are all geeked up about Prince William getting married. How many of you are geeked up about Prince William getting married? Okay, Ash, Rachel, Rachel's fiance Ash, is from England, so he's very excited about this. However, the rest of us, the day after the wedding is over, my life will go on as it did before. I will probably have the same thing for breakfast. Not much is going to change. And it's very similar to what happened with the Magi. This is not their king. This is not their country. Why should they care? And the reason is because the star, the star said something to them. It said, things are changing. The world is now becoming different. This is your star. And they said, we will follow this star, and whatever it leads us to, we feel like it's something powerful, something we have to explore. In Matthew 2, verse 3, it says, When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them, Where was the Christ to be born? And they said, Bethlehem. And here's the prophecy. But you, O Bethlehem, Epaphrath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. They quote this prophecy in Micah, which is a great passage, but if you keep reading this passage on, at the end it says, when this guy comes, when this king, this ruler comes, all other nations are going to get put in their place. Well, who are all other nations? People in the east. People who read tea leaves. People who read tarot cards, who stare into crystal balls and say, do you want to know your future? The birth of this ruler said, you guys are about to get put in your place. And yet the Magi still wanted to come. They still wanted to see this king. And I think it's because they realized this is a different star. This star means that things are changing. Things are not status quo as they used to be. And maybe you're here today because you get that feeling too. That there's something about this Christmas thing. I don't know about this Jesus and, the, and all, the, you know, all the stuff that goes along with it. But there's something about this that is drawing me in. I, I don't get it. I get a different vibe from this star. Now Herod is completely freaked out about it because he knows that if this is really what's happening, then he's out of a job. He is currently about to be unemployed. But I think even he knew this star means that things are changing. And so here's what we hear in chapter two, verse nine. After they had heard the king, this is the Magi, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. The text means mega joyed on coming to the house. They saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. I would have loved to have been there. Wouldn't you? I mean, think about Mary at this point. She's probably like 15, 16 years old. Here's what has happened to her up to this point. An angel has visited her and told her, I know you're a virgin and I know this typically doesn't happen, but you're going to get pregnant. And you're going to have a baby and he'll be the savior of the world. Your husband, who by law should probably drop you like a hot rock, is going to stay with you and you are going to go to another town and you are going to be involved in a census and then you're going to give birth in a stable. And ladies, who doesn't want to give birth in a stable? Honestly. So she gives birth in a stable to the savior of the world and then they move to a house and then they're in this house one day and there's a knock on the door. She opens it up and there are three eastern magicians. If I'm Mary, I'm going, oh, my son, What, what is going on here? Joseph, are you seeing this? Seriously? And not only are these guys here, they're just jacked out of their minds, excited about what they're about to find. And she, I'm sure she wanted to go, why do you care? What's the big deal? Why do you even care about my son? Because Jesus has nothing to do with you, Eastern magicians, but they knew it was his star that they followed. And that star was their star. It meant something to them. And it was worth following, even from the East. They even brought really great gifts. We hear about the gifts all the time. We kind of race past them. There's gold, which, if you haven't gotten your Christmas shopping done, give gold. Always good. Then there was myrrh, which is kind of a nice, smelly, sort of all-purpose spice. But then there was frankincense. And the funny thing about frankincense is that in the Old Testament, the only person who could get the gift of frankincense was God. It was reserved for him in worship. So not only are the Magi outsiders, not only are they not even people that should be concerned with what's going on, they bring horrible presents it's like going to someone's house for the first time and it's a housewarming gift. You're like, wow, your home is lovely. We brought you a black lab. It's rusty. He has his shots. He's potty trained. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you bring such a, a religious, sacred thing and bring it out of the temple and bring it to this little boy in a house that says a lot about Jesus, if you ask me, but they didn't even know the rules for what kind of gifts you bring. You bring a diaper genie. You bring extra clothes. You don't bring frankincense. Get it straight. Why would they have brought such great gifts? Because this star said that things were changing. This king was different. See, the reality is that the biggest news of Christmas and the biggest news of the Bible is not just that Jesus came into the world as a baby. That's a huge piece of it. It isn't just that a virgin gave birth. That is also a huge part of it. The biggest news of Christmas is that God finally settles the issue of who is in And who is out. God settles the issue of insiders versus outsiders. And the time of insiders like Herod officially ends on the night that Jesus is born. The kingdom is wide open. The kingdom of Christmas is open to everyone. No matter what they've done. No matter where they've been. And God was already talking about this way back in the day. Just so you don't think this is something new. Genesis chapter 12, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you, which is kind of nice. Whoever curses you, I will curse and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. In Isaiah 42, he says, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant to the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon and the prisons, those who sit in darkness. Still with me? Okay. Isaiah 60, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will come on the land. And cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And the nations shall come to your light, and the kings to the brightness of your rising. The word for nations there is goyim. And it doesn't just mean people from other lands. It means sinners. It means heathen. It means people who didn't get picked for dodgeball in gym class. It means those of us who have not broken down and bought an iPhone. Can I get an amen from somebody? It's people on the outside On the margins of society, it's those people that are the goyim. And it's those people that the star says, come, the kingdom is open. And the insiders, it was their job to draw everyone from the margins, all the tea leaf watchers, all of those people, to draw them to God. But what happened was the insiders got comfortable being insiders. They liked being God's special people. And they forgot about the outsiders. And so God threw the cosmos into chaos to draw eastern magicians to Bethlehem to find the king of the Jews. Because this is their star. James Bryan Smith says that God cares deeply about those who are left out. The kingdom is inclusive, but the world we live in is exclusive. Now, Jesus' whole life would reaffirm the fact that he came for the outsiders. Jesus hung out with Magi for the rest of his life. He partied with Matthew, who was a crooked tax collector and made him part of his closest friends. He called a bunch of bottom-rung disciples and a Jewish terrorist to follow him, to be his closest inner circle. He ate at Lazarus' house, who was a crooked tax collector, and he went the extra mile and gave back his greed to the poor without Jesus even asking. He went to the lepers, lepers, ten of them, and he touched them and he prayed with them and he healed them a woman caught sleeping around was forgiven and welcomed into the kingdom the woman at the well who had been moved to the outcast status because of her failed marriages and relationships was offered living water in a new way to god an embarrassed teacher of the law named nicodemus hears from jesus about what it means to be born again a Christian killer named Saul gets ambushed by Jesus and changed into Paul. And he becomes, and he makes sure that the church survives beyond just those who were closest to Jesus. Because of Jesus, beggars with signs who were considered low class welfare cheats who didn't want to work were given a place at the table. Cripples who couldn't contribute to the economy and who were basically kicked aside were forgiven and restored and given the ability to jump and walk again. And sinners like me. Goyim, like me, get to tell the beautiful story of Jesus, even though there's nothing I could possibly do to merit it. That's what happens. That's the life of Jesus to all of us. Jesus says, this is your star. I don't care where you are. I don't care what corner of the world you have been shot to. I don't care what relationships you failed at or succeeded at or what you've done in your life. It doesn't matter. This is your star at Christmas. It belongs to you. It belongs to you. There's this new campaign out that kind of honks me off a little bit. It's a campaign about drunk driving. Now, understand, I'm not an advocate of drunk driving. I don't know that there are such things in the world, but I'm not an advocate of drunk driving. But this is the new campaign that they've been running on television and on the radio. And if you see from this picture, um, this is the, the direction that they're going with this, is that if you commit a crime and you, and you get caught for a DUI, you become imprinted with the word loser, either on your forehead or on your arm or on your hand or something like that. And the point is, is that if you've made this mistake, you're a loser for good. Nobody wants to date you. Nobody wants to hire you. Nobody wants to be around you. Basically, everything you need to do to find value in the world will be gone. And don't, don't get me wrong. I, there's immeasurable damage that's caused by drunk driving, but there's a, there's a falsehood in this campaign, which is this. There are no such things as losers for life. Because there's a new star in the sky, because of Jesus, there are no such things as losers for life. There's none of us who are who are confined and imprisoned to be losers for our whole existence. Jesus, Jesus shows us this with his life in this story. The Magi were losers because they weren't Jewish. The disciples were losers because they weren't wealthy or influential. Jesus was a loser because he died on the cross. He was on death row with a bunch of other criminals and thugs. And the fact of the matter is, we're all losers. Every single one of us. This is the pick-me-up part of the message. Every single one of us is a loser. Because Scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But I love the message version of this Romans 3 passage. It says, since we've compiled this long and sorry record as sinners and prove that we are utterly incapable of living the glorious lives God wills for us. God did it for us. Out of sheer generosity, he put us in right standing with himself, a pure gift. He got us out of the mess we're in and restored us to where he always wanted us to be, and he did it by means of Jesus Christ. We are all losers, but as Mike Brose says, God is not disgusted with you. No one is a loser for life. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. I don't care how deeply you feel that that word has been burned into your skin, into your life. No matter what, the star is for you. There were no such thing as lifelong losers. We're all losers who are welcome to the side of the king. Let's follow the star. But I also need to say something too. The star is controversial. The star of Jesus, as much hope as it has for those of us who know we're losers. Let me talk to you just for a minute, to those of you who are Christians and have been that for a long time. Does it trouble you that the only people who show up when Jesus is born are non-religious people? Does it trouble you that the only people who come to see this king are people who are outsiders, who are pagans, who are GoYim? The worst thing that happens to Christians is that we miss the beauty of Christmas because we forget that we were Magi too at one point. We forget what it means to live in the East and to search for things by stars and tea leaves. And we get so caught up that we forget who this gospel really is for, that it's for Magi. That it's for tax collectors, it's for terrorists, it's for the Hitlers and the Charles Mansons and our own enemies of the world. If we don't have room in our kingdom for the Magi, we will miss the kingdom entirely. Parkview has always been a place for the sick, for the outcasts, for the outsiders. And if we ever forget that we're all that, we will miss the kingdom entirely. This is their star too. So are you okay, Christians, if Jesus is okay with people that you aren't okay with? Let me say that again because it's confusing. Are you okay if Jesus is okay with people that you aren't okay with? Because the challenge of the Magi is that there are people in, who are going to be in heaven, who are going to be in the kingdom of God that we're not okay with. People we don't believe even belong in heaven. That's the scandal of the grace of God, is that the kingdom is for anyone who would follow the star, anyone who would come and put their life in the hands of Jesus. Because it's not just for us. The kingdom is wide open. Now, maybe you're in Persia today. Maybe you're in a place where you don't feel like God could find you. And maybe you feel like God doesn't want to find you where you are. Can I give you some advice? He does. Follow the star. Maybe you feel like you've done something that God could never forgive. Something that distances you from all religious people forever and ever. That you've got to stay outside of the camp forever and ever. Can I tell you something? Follow the star. Maybe you feel like you've been following stars for a long time. Just multiple ones of them. Trying to find something to make sense of life. Can I encourage you? Follow the star. The one star in the sky that led Magi to Jesus, that leads us today back to Jesus who welcomes everyone. If you find yourself in darkness, realize that the first people who ever saw Jesus lived their whole lives in darkness. And God put the star in the sky to lead them home, and he desperately wants to lead you home this morning. In Colossians chapter 1, 13, it says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. The kingdom is wide open. Some of you may remember Tarek and Michelle Salahi. Anybody remember them? You might know who that is. Okay, let me show you a picture and jog your memory. Michelle and Tarek Salahi crashed the White House dinner some time ago, I think the last year or sometime. And they did it as a publicity stunt. She was trying to get on to a reality show called The Real Housewives of Washington, D.C. I've got it on DVR. It's really awesome. You should check it out. Um, That's a lie completely. But it's Christmas. Maybe I'll get it in my stocking. Who knows? They came because they wanted the publicity. They wanted the attention. They wanted to be around people with power. They wanted to get their faces and their names out there so that people would recognize them. Which is not at all what we've been talking about this morning. But there is a very strong similarity between their story and the story of the Magi. The similarities between their two stories is this. The Magi were not on the list. They were not invited to the birth of Jesus. By all standards, by all Jewish regulations, they should not have been there. And yet they crashed the party. And the greatest news of the kingdom of God this morning is that the party is open to all who would be willing to crash it. So come and crash the party today. Follow the star. I want to have the servers get ready for communion right now. And it's always hard, not hard, but it's always interesting to try and talk about communion Talk about the body and the blood of Jesus at Christmas when we're all kind of fixated on this beautiful little baby in the manger to think about something as horrid as the crucifixion is really difficult to do. But what strikes me is that it's where it began. The Magi couldn't have had any idea that this little king would 32, 31 years later go on to die a gruesome death and be executed at the hands of the Romans That he would go and be killed and shed his blood and see his body broken. They had no idea about that. All they knew is that they weren't supposed to be there. And yet something, this star, compelled them to be there. And so Jesus at his birth welcomes the outsiders officially. But Jesus with his death kicks open the doors to the kingdom permanently. And makes it an open standing invitation to any person who would ever be born in the world to say, You are now welcome to be cripples at the table of the king. I love that. Because I'm a cripple. And I want to sit at the table with the king. As the trays come by, there are two cups. Would you grab both cups out of there? Hold them. We're going to take communion together. You don't have to be a member of Parkview to take communion with us. If you're a believer in Jesus, feel free to take the two cups and hold on to them today. Um, Let me pray for us. Father, I can't say thanks enough for these elements. I can't say thank you enough for the star that reminds us that the crashers are welcome in your kingdom. And so as we eat the bread and we drink the cup, would you remind us that that invitation is wide open for us and even the people we don't think should be there. Remind us of how big and how wide your kingdom is, this kingdom of Christmas, and drive us with this hope into the week that is to come. It's in your name we pray. Amen.